Each marriage is like a murder in a slasher film. Welcome to Groovy Movies. My name is Lily Austin. And my name's James Brailsford. Hello. Hello. How are you, James? I'm pretty good, thank you. Yeah, how have you been? You've just got back from a little break, haven't you? I have indeed, yeah. Just went to Seville. Uh, it was glorious, glorious weather, sunny, ate a lot, drank a lot, saw some churches. Did you fit in any films while you were out there? <laughs> you know, there was talk of watching a movie at some point, but no, I was too busy seeing the sights. Seeing the sights. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> what, did, what did you do this weekend, James? <laughs> I am, um, yeah, similar to you, really. Yeah, saw the sights, yeah. <laughs> great, great, great. Okay, well, moving on from our busy, busy weekends. This week, we are talking about Mustang, the 2015 Turkish movie by director Denise Gamze Irvin. Did I get that wrong? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll probably only get it more wrong if that's wrong. Denise Gamze Irvin? Denise Ergoven? Denise Ergoven. Yeah, sorry. This is yet another week of us struggling oh, so with sorry. pronunciations. Apologies. We're sorry to any Turkish listeners. Please don't hate us. But this was my pick for this week. Yes, it was. And and um, so how did this come onto your radar? How did you first experience it? And what, what made you want to suggest this for the podcast? Well, I was thinking about this because I did anticipate this question. And when did it come out? It came out 2015. 2015. So that was seven years ago. So I was 20. God, it's, I felt like I watched it as a teenager, but, but clearly not. So I, I think I watched it at the cinema when it first came out. Oh, really? I really, really loved it. And I sort of have gone back to it every year since. I've watched it quite a few oh, times. Really? So, it's, so it's like one of, one of the hardy perennials of your film watching. Hard perennial. Hardy perennial. It's a hardy perennial. It's like something that stays around in the garden. Oh, I've ne- I've never heard this expression. A hardy perennial. I love. I mean, that. I could it be making kind of weird. Ma- I'm into I could it. be making this up. It is a hardy perennial <laughs> for me. It absolutely is. Yes, James, you've nailed it. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think I, <laughs> once I began watching this again, I thought, God, poor James. I keep making him watch these films about women being suppressed and fighting against, you know, the patriarchy. And I make you watch films about Batman. <laughs> There's a bit of a theme here. Martial arts. <laughs> That's true. God, we're so gendered, aren't we? <laughs> I am what I am, as Popeye would say. <laughs> and me as well, yeah. <laughs> he but crosses just all genders. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he unites us, Popeye. Exactly. Um, yeah, I I love this film. Um, <gasps> Did I, you? It, it, it's, yeah, it was, it was, I was watching this like... E- because I've not heard anything about this film. And so one thing I do like to do, and one thing we discussed is like, if I don't know anything about a film, I try not to Google anything and tr- try to experience the film as uh, as much of in the dark as possible. And so this was a classic example of that. It was up there with uh, the Florida Project, where I, di- I didn't know anything about it going into it. So I was watching the story unfold, and it was absolutely new to me. I mean, I was even annoyed when I went to buy it off, um, uh, I can't remember where I got it from online, I bought it off a streaming service, and it even said, uh, a group of sisters. I was like, no, I don't want to even know that. I don't even know that. But, I mean, <laughs> I would say it's, it's not a heavy spoiler that it's about a group of sisters because that's like the, the first shot is pretty much you, you understand the setup. So yeah, yeah like, like, uh, like, like all good films, it um, shows me something that I've not seen before. 
before. You know, I mean, I think it's very rare in general, I would say, to have a film that's led by an ensemble of young women mm-hmm. um, or girls. I don't, I don't know, but it means like they seem pre-teen t- yeah. to young teenager. Yeah, I was um, so, thinking so, maybe 12 to 16, 17, something yeah. like that. So, 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 so that's just, from the get-go, even that's just unusual to see in a film. Um, and then the story that's unfolding, it's, it's, a, it's like a tale of something happening in Turkey that I hadn't really considered before. And uh, yeah, it was a fascinating film, well made, ju- just the kind of film I like. So, oh, good. Uh, well, I'm glad yeah. you liked it. I thought, God, he might find it a bit exhausting because really this is a film about a group of five girls becoming adolescents and at that point the parental figures in their life clamping down and restricting them shut and shut that and, down yeah, yeah and and controlling them because basically they fear them them becoming women and becoming sexual yeah i mean like the, the film opens with the um the, the youngest of them uh, lal lale L- lale i think it's La- lale let's just say lale and and we'll apologize lale. again at the end <laughs> sorry yeah but, but with her kind of um saying goodbye to a teacher who's leaving and it's very sad and then she meets up with the rest of the sisters so this is in the first minute or two we then introduce the whole gang and they kind of they, it's the end of school and they're going the water and they're splashing about and then they meet up with some a couple of some boys and they're kind of on their shoulders like just horseplay really it's absolutely nothing and so then it's it's like quite shocking when that that they've been scandalized around the community and words got around at how promiscuous they're being and yeah that's what starts the them being shut down but because they're orphans as well they've been raised by their grandmother and their uncle is kind of their maybe their guardian he's mm, like the uncle kind of the male. yeah boom <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's sort of the, the the jumping off point is them being on the shoulders of these boys in the water and that and that being construed as a sort of an inappropriate sort of promiscuous act. And then the whole summer they're then increasingly held hostage, basically. They're sort of like prisoners. It's but there's a very fairy tale aesthetic to the film. They're trapped in this house with tall walls and they put bars around it and and they and they all have this fairy tale long hair and everything is bathed in this golden hour light golden light time. oh my god <laughs> like this it's beautifully shot the entire film and the opening sequence where everything's been shot at magic hour you, you you're quite right it does evoke a slightly fairy tale-esque even though it's kind of got the creeping dread of a horror film once it gets going like what where is this going you know like very early on when when the uncle has uh, basically you know, he imprisons them to some degree in the house and it just get the imprisoning gets worse and worse as the film progresses. But uh, Lal says, um, she says, the, from that point on, the house became a wife factory. And, and now that is their life, is them being groomed and uh, taught how to be good wives. Yeah, exactly. The first kind of third of the film is them learning how to cook and, and clean and, and do everything to be a good wife. And then and their acts of resistance. Because I think that's this film is in so many ways very like The Virgin Suicides, which I mentioned. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but that film is also about five girls who are kept at home and kind of imprisoned by their parents who fear them meeting boys and, and sort of and being promiscuous and growing up essentially. And they also have long hair and lay about together. There is a very strong comparison aesthetically between the look of both girls in these films. But the, the big difference between the two is that in Virgin Suicides, the girls are they 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 act a kind of passive resistance of showing of kind of disengaging from life because they're being 
suppressed in this way and and don't fight against it but then ultimately sorry spoiler alert kill themselves and in in this film the girls from the beginning fight back and are a lot a lot more kind of strong-willed they do various things to to push against it you know from little things like Lale trying to spit in the tea of of guests who've come to potentially like <laughs> betroth one of their sons to one of the daughters yeah. you know these little acts of they run away to go to a football match they're constantly that's fighting against it that. which is very i think i think that's what always drew me to it as well as it being beautifully shot is there's something about sisters fighting back and being strong-willed and working together that i've always been sort of drawn towards like maybe because i'm one of three sisters yeah. i don't know <laughs> Ah, right. Yeah. I mean, I really bought into the ensemble to, to, to them, against, them against adversity. It's like, in some respect, it's a very classical tale, isn't it? That, that, that they are put in these conditions that they're fighting against all the way through it. So when they do um, break out, because Lale is really into her football, and she finds out that one of the matches is a women-only football match. So they all break out As in the of the house they've banned men from oh, it because yes, men have been sorry, fighting yes. not not the sadly not the footballers themselves i think they're men <laughs> yeah but, but the crowd so so they managed to break break out of the house finally and the whole gang go to this football match and it's a euphoric moment you know it, it's a, it, even though the film is clearly touching on very serious um socio-political um points it still has a, the the beats of a film that f- makes something satisfying. So you go with the highs and the lows. And when they finally make it to the football match, that's a high. And you're really with them. Yeah. And I was reading about the, the making of the film. And an ironic part was that they the production team were not allowed to film at the women audience only football match. And they had to use the shots that they did use from a, a local news channel that was covering it. I but they were where. actually not allowed to go in and film. Well, that, I mean, that sort of brings me on to how my feelings about the film have changed since watching it ah. this time and reading about it. Great, because that, that, like, like we've discussed before, that's something that I like with my kind of hardy perennials that I come back to, you know, like <laughs> as I change, I view them a bit differently, you know, so yeah, yeah. tell me. Because I always just, I, I just was so drawn by the look of this film and the sibling relationship, because you're right, you're, you're, you go with these five sisters and they feel so truly like sisters that they have this teasing playful yeah they're always like bitching about each other a little bit and yeah exactly but still playing together which like when I was younger my sister and I did all the time so and and also if they're trapped in the house what else can they do but we'll hang out together and so I was really drawn to all of that but I never really thought about what the film is trying to say in terms of the social like the culture that this film is set in the underlying subtext well, it's not even a subtext, it's just the text, actually, is that there are certain parts of Turkey, or or maybe Turkey in general, this film seems to be saying it's like very traditional and old-fashioned, and it's about fighting against that for young girls because they will they are being repressed by this religious traditional outlook. And sure. freedom equals the West, Western equals modern. And that's how the director described it. She talks about how repressed Turkey is in, in, in the interview she gave after the film came out. She was very clear about that this is a film about what Turkey and those parts of Turkey are like. When she is actually, she's Turkish born, but she grew up in France. She didn't spend a huge amount of time in Turkey. And that's not to say, you know, I've not been to Turkey. I can't give an informed opinion of it. But there definitely was a lot of criticism of the film at the time saying this is a very orientalist Western perspective on what Turkey is actually like. 
And I think the interesting thing about this film is that you can read it in three ways. You can read it as an accurate portrayal of Turkey, which I think is very debatable. You can read it as a film that is exploring something that is, I would argue, universal and that women are repressed on grounds of sexuality, which that in itself is very relatable to to whatever degree. And if you kind of take it out of the like cultural context, there is something that is relevant or representative in that film. Or you can take it as a French perspective on Islam, which is something that's so fraught in France, right, with like the banning of the Barker and stuff. And this film mm. portrays Turkey in a way that you can read as like, it's not it's not that it, it in itself is an accurate representation, but it tells us so much about how the West views these cultures, this this culture right, in particular, yeah. and I thought, and I sort of was like, I as I was reading more about the film, I kind of was wrestling with its representation because I hadn't ever really fully taken it. I didn't take it as gospel that this is like this is what life is like in Turkey. As I was watching, it, I, I was just wondering to myself, I wonder how much is this based on the director or the writer uh, as real lived experience. And from what I understand, you know, some of the in, some of the um, moments are, but the overall story is kind of fictionalized. So she was never trapped in a wife factory. But so, but the horseplay with boys that kind of got made into a big drama that that's from her life. So it's it's a mixture of things. I mean, I my my reading on the very first viewing, I was sat there thinking. I wonder how prevalent this kind of thing is for real in Turkey. But my yeah. my kind of my my reading of it the first time was option number two that you presented. I saw it as more a general um, women's sexuality being repressed, and it's like a slightly fairy tale. You know, you've got the evil step dad, you know, uncle figure. You know, yeah. the, and the fact that even even the kind of the mythical status of Istanbul as this like um, this 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 that's the safe place, and you go there, that'll sort everything. Because you are, think I was thinking all the way through, like this is like a young girl and her sister and they're arriving at a teacher's house. You know, the, the story doesn't end. It's not, a, you know, to, the film ends at a point which is a happy point for all the characters. But I don't imagine if the story was to unfold that it would, they would have this brilliant life in Istanbul. I mean, they're two young women without parents around them, you know, so, so, you know, yeah, the film Yeah, what are they going to do? Live in the flat with the, with the teacher and her boyfriend? The teacher? <laughs> I only gave you the fucking address to write me a letter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go on, shoot. Exactly. What they would what? She'd take them for tea and then send them straight back, realistically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, but but again, there's always like the fantasy, this is the place to escape to, this will make everything okay. And Istanbul happened to be it for uh, for these characters. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think actually it's so much about what you bring it is what you bring to a film. And I think I was sort of the more I read, the more I realized that actually for a lot of people, this film, it was disturbing the way it was discussed in Western media at the time. And a lot around, like, like it, it, this film was very successful. It got, it, it was nominated. It was, the, it, was the, it, was the, it was the French entry for the Oscars that year. Yeah, exactly, for Best Foreign Language Film. And they actually, I think they submitted it to Turkey as well, and Turkey didn't accept it, but France ah. took it, which I think in itself speak because it's it's not a french language film it's a turkish language film yeah because I, I was watching i was watching the credits at the start and at the end and i was like whoa mm. i'm looking at the names that are popping up and there's definitely some turkish names but then there's some that seem like maybe they're german anyway i, I stayed mm. and watched the credits and it's a french german and turkish co-production and in fact the the co-writer of the film is a another writer director herself and i think this might be one of the only things she's written that she didn't direct. So Alice Winnicore, um, she co-wrote mm. it. So you've got you've got another um, writer director kind of 
working with another writer director. So I think that really helps what makes Mustang so strong. That's true. Because what well what what do you think is this is the strongest part of it? Because for me the actually the script was not not the well, I guess it's not just about script, is it? It's also about the story. For me, it's I just a bit of everything. I think the I think what really makes it so so compelling because there is it's almost quite relentless with the repeated the various ways in which they are repressed and fight against it throughout the film. Like it's 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 a lot, but you stay yeah. with them because it's so well cast. And these and only one of the the girls who plays who played the sisters had done any acting before. All the rest have been have been cast. Oh, one which been, one was that? Um, uh, uh, she plays essay Elit Iskan. I'm so sorry if that's a mispronunciation. All right, because I guess L- Lali, yeah, the the younger sister Lali, she's like you would I would say quite by far she's the standout really because she she drives much more of the plot. You know, I have to say if, and she a few of the sister it. characters. I, I didn't quite, didn't really pop out as characters, but Lale has, uh, you know, she's definitely foregrounded. She has a lot to do. So the fact that she's essentially not done any acting before is, is impressive. It's a great, great performance. Yeah, yeah. They were all kind of cast from like local girls. One was actually grabbed apparently at Istanbul Airport by the director. She was like, you have a great look. Because the other thing which I found very interesting reading about was the fact that they led with wanting to cast girls who had long flowing hair. And that's something that's very politicized in film. You know, again, it has this symbolic meaning of being associated with feminism and freedom to just have your hair wild and (laughs) not tamed or tied up and not covered up. And the hair is, it's shot in this very entrancing way. It's a big, it is a a big part of their characters, isn't it? Them all having this uniform, long, long hair. And because a lot of it's shot at magic hour, it means that the golden light is kind of catching the back of their hair and it's giving them a nice little halo and it's accentuating that kind of hair. So it, it is like putting an emphasis on, to, on it in the storytelling. I mean, that's why I like the film is that it, it was a great cast. Um, you know, they were very uh, they were very engaging and charismatic, all the sisters, and the story was interesting. It, you know, it was, it was a proper filmmaker at work here, somebody who cared about every aspect. Because you have some directors who are, I don't care about the pictures, I'm all about working with the actors. This was clearly the product of a filmmaker who likes the whole thing, which is, that's why I respond to it, because it's somebody who cares about the music and the editing and the sound. And if we can talk about the music, oh my goodness, like, I was watching the credits go up. And and I was like, that's crazy that there's a lot of songs here that have got co-written by Nick Cave. And so I was like, how, how is this like quite a small French-Turkish film got Nick Cave involved? And of course, the, the director approached Warren Ellis, who's a Nick Cave's like collaborator and songwriter. And uh, it's the first time he's scored a film by himself. So she managed to get an, you know, an incredible musician to be on board. And I guess he also got Nick Cave involved at points. I know, it's kind of amazing because I think this is her first film, her first feature-length film. So it's an incredible team that she got to work with her on this yeah i was very impressed by that too and it's very arresting isn't it the music yeah yeah it, it, it like from the get-go from the opening credits with the music it like you know it helps draw you into the film you know it's an it's another element that clearly has had a lot of love and thought put into it yeah yeah totally oh i'm really glad you liked it because yeah i did think when i was watching god it's a lot you know they're all married off and there's 
one they have to go to get a one of, at one point the older daughters have to get a virginity test at the doctor. Oh my god, yeah. And because because on their wedding on her wedding night the, the the she doesn't bleed or make any blood on the blanket, so she goes to hospital. Yeah, she's taken to hospital by the parents of her of the groom who she never wanted to marry in oh. the first place. She didn't even know the guy. And she's there in her wedding dress late at night having to be checked by a doctor. Oh my god. It's just yeah, horrific stuff. Uh, like I say, it has it does. I always like this is kind of like a horror film in in some respects because you are just like, how bad is this going to get? What, what's what's going to happen next? And each each marriage is like a murder in a slasher film. That's very good. I mean, I don't like <laughs> that poor girls, but you're right. And then the third, so the first two get get married off, and then the third one, she's she's clearly next in line. And she starts eating loads of snacks in this sort of depressed way as if she's almost given up on world so that, you know. And, and again, that feels like an act of resistance in this uh, non-interventionist way of like just showing that I'm like, I'm just like completely giving up on everything. And then she she makes his, her sisters laugh at dinner and, and Uncle Errol shouts at her and tells her to like leave the table because she's making her sisters laugh. And that's it. Yeah. And she goes and shoots herself in the head. And sorry, that sounds incredibly. I'm so, it's so sort of blunt to delivery on my part, but but it was just an incredible scene because even though I've watched this film probably yes maybe six times, I don't know, I forget every time that the, I know you you get this very foreboding point halfway through the film where at the two sisters at their wedding, Lale's voice comes over saying that was the last time we were all together. So you get the sense that oh gosh, what does that mean? Does something happen to all of them? One of them, who knows? And then for this to happen in this at this at this very domestic moment of them all sat around the table giggling and her getting up, clearing her plate even, and then just going into the other room. You don't see it; you just hear it. It's 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 so brutal in its bluntness, which is also yeah. also contrasts so much with the soft fairy tale look of the film that it makes it even more powerful. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I do think that the the end, like twenty minutes, where the uh, f- the final wedding's about to happen, or at least the final wedding of the story, oh, yeah. and Lally, um, you know, decides to go on the run, and now we have the uncle pursuing them, and it, you know, again, it, it's got the feeling of the nightmare figure um, in pursuit that you are trying to keep out. You yeah, know, you're, there's, you're there's so elements right. Elements of that because that that scene is so powerful it's uh it's lale and and Nur, her sister the two youngest ones who are the ones who are left and the family of the groom come to the house and they lock them out of the house and it, you're right that there is a very horror film element of being surrounded trapped inside the monsters at the door yeah and he's and he gets close he gets close he wants her to come closer so he can grab her and yeah there's enough distance yeah uh, at the- at the same time, like, like Lale, towards the end of the film, starts to learn how to drive. She There's a local delivery guy who she befriends, who teaches her to drive, kind of helps her find her freedom because she, she knows it's like the one thing I have to do is like learn to drive so I can get to Istanbul. And she's maybe yeah, 11. She's really little. <laughs> and and then when they finally make their escape, at which point she's she secretly learned the skill, they drive for like two minutes and she crashes the car and then they're, they're on foot the rest of the time. So I know realistically I, I, she could, never could have got to Istanbul having only had about probably five hours worth of lessons. But I still was like, 
God, that was that didn't give give me the payoff that I wanted to see her on the open right. road driving. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It was because in the end, what happens actually is that the delivery guy comes and rescues them. He's like the the prince on a white horse who saves the day rather than them saving themselves. I was watching that bit where they crashed, and I thought, and immediately I was like, "Oh, she's crashed," which makes sense because she's a, a quite a young, inexperienced driver. But <laughs> sure, then I was like, then I was like, but then I was like, is is that is that was that part of the plan? Were they like, let's just ditch the car? And I, I mean, I think she she just crashed. I was my brain was trying to read more into it. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's odd because then they're on foot. They they must have only driven like a few meters, and they're sort of hiding out, waiting for this guy to come. And I thought. I mean, I think Errol and Grandma, they're just letting letting them go, can't they? Like they could have caught up to them at that point, you know. <laughs> and and also they they very deliberately cut off some of their hair to like sew into a, a cushion that they've made they want to to make it look like their heads basically so they can hide it under the duvet. But that again, that there's sort of this dramatic scene where you see the the duvet being pulled back and you see their the head with the with their hair on it. But they already knew that they'd run away. So it's not like... <laughs> Good they, point. I hadn't thought of that, actually. <laughs> well, this is only from six, six times, you know, many years of watching it, being like, well, what was the point in that? Because there's nothing better than, as part of an escape, there being these various elements, you know, the fake yeah, head yeah. in the bed. I mean, it's classic. And so I was a little bit dissatisfied with it not being actually <laughs> necessary. Not being a, a revelation. It was it was a revelation to nobody because everybody knew the girls had escaped at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. I hadn't even clocked that. You know, that. That is definitely something you pick up from multiple viewings. <laughs> yeah. It's like my my multiple viewings of Hero, and I was like, ah, that's why that they've hidden the fact that one of the actors can't do the sword fight. Yeah, well, by structuring the story in a certain way. And, and this is why have we have this uh, concept for the pod, right? Is so one of us can nitpick about these tiny little bits, and the other person, <laughs> having only watched it once, can look at like the overarching effect. <laughs> Another thing I'd like to say, um, the past couple of movies we've watched, they're pretty much within the 90-minute time zone. Yes. And like, please, more films. Remember, 90 minutes for most of cinema history, 90 minutes was the standard. And like the past 20 years, it's just stretched and stretched and stretched. And like now, like... Every film is two hours something. It's just exhausting. You're so right. I I also really enjoyed that. Maybe that is why I love this film. I, a film that's an hour and a half, it's perfection. Exactly. It's just it it focuses the storytelling. Ninety minutes. You know, you you've got to. You can't be sloppy with anything. You've got to be razor focused. You've got to trim and focus everything. But there's also enough space to develop something. It's not like a forty five minute TV drama episode. It, it's. I, I just I miss a good ninety minute film, and so that was another thing that I loved about it. I was like, ah, oh, ninety, it, t- nice, tight, one and done. What did you like about the film? I like the the running time, running time for sure. <laughs> first thing, <laughs> running time, followed closely by strong acting. It's just it's it's just just one of the other things that I I noticed. I mean, because because it's also interesting what's uh, the director done since because. That's an incredible first film, right? As far as any director would be pleased for that to be their debut feature. And it was interesting because the, she's done another film called Kings, mm. but she's done About the um, LA TV. Riot. Yes, that's right. And she had that in development before Mustang. But it's when she met Alice Winokur, the co-writer, um, she she said perhaps you need to do something a bit smaller and more personal to begin with, which is why they did Mustang. So they got Mustang. Uh, that that was e- that was an easier sell, and then that got them got her Kings. But she's now moved on to doing like serialized television, and I, it made me think: is that the kind of now the career path for like low budget film directors? Is that 
back in the day, mm. low-budget film directing would lead on to mid-budget and then high-budget. And now she's done Handmaid's Tale. She's done Perry Mason. Oh, really? Um, uh, yeah, she, she's done like, you know, high-end, glossy American TV. I, I, in my mind, I suspect she's got her own projects in development and this is just a way to continue directing and pay the bills. But I, mm. it's interesting that... That, 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 that TV seems to have got her at the moment rather than the film industry, because I'm not sure there's really uh, much of a big industry, especially in America, for her kind of filmmaking, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, there's just there seems to be more scope for TV these days, more freedom in yeah, it. Yeah, but, but the, prob- the problem with TV is, though, that she doesn't write any of it. She's a director only. Uh. So for a writer-director like th- that she is, um, it, it must be great to just keep directing and, and, and keep working but it's i don't know i i suspect that's not where her heart is but i don't know well it'll be interesting to see what she does next having learned more about her background and how she talks about the film because she does talk about it as as a film about turkey and she drew in interviews draws on her own experience a lot of like giving examples of her time there which is almost it's almost a bit like it's trying to justify her telling oh, right. the story in a way that makes yeah. me question whether or not it's fair to frame it as a film about Turkey's treatment of girls when she doesn't perhaps have that that you know I mean it's you know it's it's impossible to say like oh you know you're not you're not quote unquote Turkish enough to tell this story but it does make right. me wonder right. about that but if I put that aside which I sort of wrestled with and then decided my my best way to f- see the film is as a film that is what you said a film yeah. a film that is exploring how women are treated as they move into adolescence how girls girls becoming women are yeah. often treated that that's the way of it making sense to me so all that having said all that yeah i will be very interested to see what she does next i'm just sort of like mindful of what it is that she wants to say and 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 how that conflicts with what i want to take from the film and i guess that's the thing with all film isn't it it's like what the right, what the directors try to say, and what you and what you take, and and how those two things interact. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like for me, I I don't think just because a, a director's lived personal experience doesn't match precisely the story they're telling doesn't mean it's an invalid thing for them to make the story. No, um, of course but, not. But then it's also but, it doesn't mean you can you can say that this is. Uh, you know, this is a story oh, sure, of course. this. Do you know what I mean? And and and, and my reading of it wasn't that. I mean, in fact, yeah. I was just I, I was, a lot of the time I was sat there thinking, I wonder how prevalent this actually is in Turkey because my gut feeling was probably not that prevalent, but probably things like this have happened to a degree. Well, yeah, um, I, yeah. I, but I don't know. But but you know, the fact that you know, so so I wasn't immediately thinking this is what it's like in Turkey, and this director is just telling the truth, you know. <laughs> this it, it... is a travel log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Well, I'm, I'm I'm, sort of like reassured to hear that because I just sort of had a bit of a, almost like a crisis of, of reappraising my own view of this film. But then I also felt the same way as you. I haven't since then viewed Turkey as a place that is consistently oppressive of women any more so than any other country, you know, every single country deals with its own version of the patriarchy so you know it hasn't i don't think it's impact, informed my view of turkey in that sense just as i said in terms of the the uh, the landscapes definitely going to go there on holiday sometime <laughs> i went there on a club 1830 holiday when i was 19 oh did you <laughs> like a terrible brit idiot <laughs> Is that sort of like a package holiday thing? Yeah, yeah. Club eighteen thirty was a big like in the eighties. That was like that was like if you were a, a lad on tour, you'd be on a club eighteen thirty holiday. <laughs> I've never heard of that. That sounds amazing. 
Oh, I mean, thank God you've never heard of it. It must mean that they're dead and buried now. I think yeah, it was, so. It was <laughs> God, what a way to end this podcast, talking about my Club 1830. I feel, I feel tawdry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Edit all that out, No please. way. I oh, love Lord. it. I love it. It's staying in. It's staying in, listeners. Don't worry. Well... On that note, on that really wonderful note, I think I think it's nice we've bookended it with two possible destinations for our listeners. Seville and Turkey. Seville and Turkey. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone, to another episode of Groovy Movies. Thank you. Thank you, all our listeners. And please do follow us on Instagram at Groovy Movies Pod. Slide into our DMs. Yes, please slide right in and give us a review. Five stars and subscribe all those good things hey we've got a perfect run of five we've got we've got five star reviews so far on uh, spotify from our i, I did think, notice six or that. nine <laughs> thank you everyone who's done that appreciate that and thank you to the one show crew who appear to be listening really appreciate listening guys yes thank you so much and to all our listeners we will see you next week see you next week bye bye